Well, this is dumb, but like seeing who Jacob DeGrom is, like, and I'm not trying to put it all on the wife, but like, say if they just like a certain area of the country and that team offers them a contract that maybe not be like, you know, 45 million a year, but like, whatever, like Pittsburgh or Cleveland or someone like Milwaukee comes out of nowhere and says, we can't give you all this. Maybe we could defer money or whatever it is down the line. Would you be willing to come here for a few years? I mean, that's like you just never know. If that's the type of mentality they have, they just want to get out of the big city feel. And that's always a can't freaking Kansas City could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but look, I know any time, any moment, a team could offer big money. I, I, how much money is he willing to turn down just to get out of New York? And that's- by the way, by the way, he's got deferred money for uh, what I, I looked at. I forgot the exact amount now, but like I think in like when he's like forty-seven years old, he's got like three or four years of deferred money coming his way. Am I wrong about that? No, I think he was in that contract that the Wilpons gave him. They were always a fan of deferred money. Yes, so, yes I think yes. Look, I, I get that Degrom has more money than maybe he'll ever need, than his family will need. So I know that that's easy to say. Well, of course he'll turn down money. You rarely see athletes turn down significant money. It's just it's not it's not that common to see something like that. So I think that's going to be the real test. I do trust that the Mets are going to try really hard to bring him back. I do trust that. And, and now and we I get want, to this. Yeah, go I ahead. Want, I, want, I want to throw one more thing because you named something that was really huge, and we never hear about this. But you said, well, not that we never hear, but we we always talk about it. Can players play in New York? You know, if you're a guy that can actually perform in New York, it's huge. I was talking to somebody today. I was telling you off off air about this, but we were talking about the Mets situation. He's a current ball player. He plays plays in the bigs. I have no idea why he was asking me these questions, but he asked me about the Mets, and then he started telling me about the issues with Mets and disliked what they did with the platoon. Said. Did not like the matchups and platoon guys uh, that you got. A lot of swing and misses and guys that couldn't handle New York. Like, that's freaking – think about that. Players know that they can't handle New York. Sure. The Grom can. Why are we even contemplating letting the guy walk away? Because he may want to walk away. I, We're not, I'm not contemplating – I'm not <laughs> contemplating DeGrom can't handle New York. He can handle New York. I mean – I would say, though, about Jake, he's one of the few athletes that's never been booed in this town. You know, you always hear this knee-jerk, everyone gets booed in New York. Jeter was booed. Yeah, no, I heard Derek Jeter. Max Scherzer got booed off the mound on the Friday start in the playoffs. Uh, 100%. I I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed by that. Well, he he pitched like crap. He sucked. (laughs) He sucked. I've seen almost everyone get booed in this town, like Mike Piazza booed in this town, Patrick Ewing booed in this town, all that. Jacob DeGrom's never been booed in this town. He really hasn't because – there's never been a need nobody, to. Nobody shows he's up been... to Boo. <laughs> well, it's not even that. He hasn't. <laughs> he's never given you a reason to boo. Like, think about it. Think about a defining start he made. Now, granted, the Mets had a lot of bad years uh, in the midst of DeGrom's career, but there was never a moment in 14 as a rookie. There was never a moment in 15. There hasn't been a moment the last few years, even at City Field as he looked more human. When he gives up the home run to O'Neill Cruz, the three-run home run of the Pirates, like he just—he's one of the few athletes that's never been booed in this town. With that said, yeah, he can handle New York. Yeah, he can handle the pressure. But it's not about that. It's about does he want it? 
Uh, I would assume and I would advise Billy Epler and Steve Cohen, not that they need my advising, you should want it. And the reason you should want it and the reason you should take every risk in giving him a mega contract to keep him is because of the alternatives. And I'm deathly afraid that we're going to do a podcast in a few weeks in which we're talking about replacing Jacob DeGrom. And that's a scary, scary thing. Max Scherzer is under contract. I think there are certainly questions about what he's going to be over the next two years, really based on two starts and breaking down, based on the fact he had a tough time staying healthy this year, and based on the fact that his last two starts against the Atlanta Braves and then the San Diego Padres were just awful. And so in our head, we're looking at this man saying, is he breaking down? Is he breaking down physically? And can he ever consistently be the guy he was, not even 10 years ago, but two years ago? There's a major question on the return of Chris Bassett and if you'd even want to bring him back considering his ability to handle New York. Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker are fine back-of-the-rotation guys if you want to keep them. I definitely think David Peterson deserves a chance. I think Tyler McGill deserves a chance. You could even argue bringing back Trevor Williams, maybe he deserves a chance. But the Mets don't have high-end top-pitching prospects that are coming anytime soon. They don't. Matthew Allen is still years away. They are not equipped to internally replace top of the rotation arms. Unless you want to tell me Tyler McGill is stunning us and becomes a top of the rotation arm or David Peterson. So then you look at free agency. There is very little in free agency that's appealing. Carlos Rodon is a guy I know you liked and wanted the Mets to target. He's 30 years old. He had a relatively healthy year this year for San Francisco and had a tremendous year. Is Carlos Rodon a nice addition to this rotation? Absolutely. He is not a top-line starting pitcher or a guy I can rely on to be a top-line starting pitcher. And then you get to a guy that I'm telling you right now, I believe the New York Mets will target. I believe this. I've heard rumblings that this man will be a target if they lose Jacob DeGrom. And I have nothing but respect for this man. He is a legendary pitcher, and he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. But he's old, and so is Max Scherzer. And while we don't know if Jacob DeGrom's wife wants to live in New York, we certainly know this man's wife wants to live in New York. And that, of course, I think I dropped every hint. That, of course, is Justin Verlander. And I I just, I don't know, man. Verlander wants to pitch till he's 45. He said that during the ALCS against the Yankees. He said it to um, Lawrence Shahadi, I think. I want to pitch till I'm 45. And that's great. I admire that. I really do. I don't think there's anything wrong with a guy saying, I want to play forever. Greg Maddox wanted to play forever. He was a mediocre pitcher for the last seven years of his career. God bless him. But can you really sign Verlander and build your rotation on Verlander and Scherzer in 2023? It scares me. It's scary. Look, you get Verlander on a one-year deal as a, all right, we lost to Grom, let's bridge it to the following year. I guess, like, I'm, I'm not going to be against that if that's the case. As a bridge one-year deal, sure. And I have faith that Verlander can handle New York, by the way. I'm not, not even worried about that. It's more... Is he going to break down? I mean, we can look at Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer breaking down at the same time. So let's start with that, Hoff. Rodon Verlander as DeGrom replacements, your thoughts? 
I feel like we're going backwards. I feel <laughs> like I feel like you're just you. We just won a hundred and one wins. We had a hundred and one wins, and and out of in a team that felt like a failure, a hundred and one wins, and we're now saying, let's get an old Justin Verlander, a Carlos Rodon who had a great season last year but again we don't really know he definitely was opting out which might be you never know the walk years always do something different a la Aaron Judge listen I I, I don't want to mess around with that if you told me Jacob DeGrom's coming back and guess who's interested in coming to the New York Mets Justin Verlander I'd say okay that's it that that's interesting to me <laughs> I'd be I'd be in a platoon for one year remember here's the thing Evan I'm looking at it in a very small realistic window this team has about Three years left max, maybe two years left max of of a run with this squad. This team is not going to be a re- this team is not going to look the same in three years. It's just not. But by, 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 by the way, I want to make something clear. I don't want to do this. This part of the Degrom discussion is he's left. We did everything we could. He's gone. So like you and I agree. I don't know if everyone agrees who's listening. Maybe you don't. I would prefer Jake to come back, but this is the discussion on what this would look like if he's gone. So yes, I want him back, but he's gone. We did everything we could. And he wanted to go to Colorado because Mike Hampton told them he has, they have a great school system and now he's gone. So free agent wise, and we'll get to the trade targets in a second. The free agent guys that are available that you can sign feature Justin Verlander, Features Clayton Kershaw, features <laughs> Tyler Anderson, features Carlos Radon, features uh, I think Jameis Tyone is a free agent. Nate Valdi, yeah, guys on that garbage. level. It's garbage. Well, it's, it's not. It's nothing that you want to say. Listen, there's no one that's filled. There's no one. First of all, if you say Degrom is the one and Scherzer the two, there's no one that's replacing Degrom. It's like okay, who's behind Scherzer? Or, but really, there's no one there, so it's more like who's who's going to fit in as a three. That's right. that's the best because Verlander, sure, but at this age, it's like Tom Brady at any day can go away. I can't buy into yeah. it. Well, you're you're no longer basically what you're doing is you're no longer building around the two ace format like the Scherzer Degrom one two. Now you're not. Now you're building around. All right, Scherzer's the ace. Let's build a solid rotation around him. Here's where things get more interesting. Some of these are made up in my own mind. Some of them are based on reality. And those are trade targets. Because the trade targets are going to be more interesting. They're going to be more appealing. Those are the free agents. We all can look them up. We all know who's out there. It's not a great list. Okay? It's just not. It's what I just told you. Verlander is, whether we like it or not, the best available starting pitcher on the market after Jacob Degrom, he is. unless 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 Nola somehow gets uh, the Phillies decide to to uh, to not pick up the option for twelve million. Yeah, but that's not that happening. <laughs> Nola's that that option's being picked up. Aaron Nola's back with the Philadelphia Phillies. So that one's out the window. I wish Zach Wheeler was a free agent. He's not. We got to wait two more years for a crack to right the wrong of the Wilpons. So one guy I'll bring up is very unrealistic. Just want to mention it because you can never trust the Marlins, and that's Sandy Alcantara. Um, he has one of the great contracts you'll ever see right now. He is signed to an incredibly team-friendly trade. He's 27 years old. In fact, let me give you this contract just so you have an idea. The man who's going to win the Cy Young this year is due to make $6 million next year. Six. He'll be 27. 
The year after that, he'll make $9 million. Then he gets a bump, big bump. He goes up to 17, 17, and then in 2027, at 31 years old, there's a club option that they most certainly will pick up at $21 million. So you have Alcantara signed for five more years at an affordable amount of money. The reason I bring his name up is not that the Marlins should have any reason to trade him. In fact, it's a disgrace to trade him. I really do. If they are big on, hey, let's trade guys when their value is high, they could get a ransom for Sandy Alcantara. I'd argue they'd get more for him than the Angels would get for Shohei Otani. Otani's a free agent at the end of the year. I mean, you're still renting a guy for one year with the uncertainty of his future. Sandy Alcantara is this unicorn in that the Marlins signed him. I give them credit. They had the foresight of locking him up before he became the best pitcher in the National League who's reliable. That's how I would phrase it because he's out there every five days. I, I think, A, the Marlins aren't trading him. Now, they'll trade him eventually because that's what the Marlins do. It won't be this year. And B, I don't think they would do it inside the division. I know they've made deals inside the division. I know they have. I don't know about this one. I think this one they would stay away. So Alcantara's name. Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, <laughs> Ronnie Mauricio, you name it, let's go. I'm well, all you, in. Well, you left out Alvarez. You know, want to trade Francisco? Well, listen, it depends on if the what we get in the free agency. Is anybody available? <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, this guy's going to be traded. He's going to be traded maybe not this year, but definitely next year. And that man is Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they are a disgrace to baseball. They don't spend money. While simpletons will bitch that MLB deserves a salary cap, what they don't realize is they're owned by a billionaire. And so I have no compassion for that. Go spend money. And they don't. Now, they locked in Jose Ramirez on an incredibly team-friendly deal. That's great. I don't know if they're going to get that out of Bieber. So Bieber's got two more years left uh, under team control of Cleveland. And if you're Cleveland, you have to decide this offseason, hey, we had a good year. We won over 90 games. We got to the playoffs. That was cool. This could be the moment. Bieber had a good year. Remember, he won the Cy Young during the shortened season. He's healthy. He's still only 27 years old. He's got two years of control. So you can kind of build in the other small market teams that may say, hey, we're close. Let's trade for Bieber, even if we have no intention of giving him a mega contract in two years. So I think it's possible Bieber's available. I don't, if it's not this year, it's next year. Like they they will trade him. I doubt Cleveland. And, and if you don't believe me, look at their history. Look at Look at their history of young pitchers. Did they lock up CC Sabathia? Did they lock up Cliff Lee? They don't tend to lock up their young arms. And maybe they're smart for doing that. If they're going to act like a small market team, do you really want to lock in arms where it can go bad real quick? Totally get the risk on that. I guess what it comes down to is, let's say Bieber's available. Are you willing to unload the system? You know, you just mentioned Beatty, Vientos, Alvarez, like, are you willing to give up a mega package when the Mets do need to fill some spots out internally with prospects? Like we're right now, Alvarez's name in down right now as a starting catcher. We're thinking about it. Are you willing to go out and make a trade for a Shane Bieber? And then obviously the big one. Why ignore it is Shohei Otani. I do believe the Mets will target him. I do believe that at the end of next year, they will be one of the huge bidders for Shohei. 
again comes down to the same question. Are you willing to give up key young pieces for not a rental? Because I do think the Mets would be aggressive in resigning him, but for a guy that you could simply sign a year from now. Do you gain an advantage by trading for Otani today? Now, you do give yourself a year of him extra as opposed to waiting until free agency. But the scary part about trading for Otani, the scary part about trading for Bieber, the scary part about trading for Alcantara if he ever became available, is that the return is your farm system. All of it. You know what I mean? Like, the return is not a prospect, not two prospects, but all of your prospects. And that is why, we go back to the beginning, you spend whatever it takes to keep Jake. Because if you are listening to this podcast saying, I don't really want to keep Jacob to ground. I'm painting you the world we'd be in if you lose him. Signing Tyler Anderson. Signing Justin Verlander. Signing Carlos Rodon. And then, okay, I, I don't want those guys. I want those guys trading top prospects for a Shane Bieber. Like, I'd love Shane Bieber. I'd love Sandy Alcantara. I'd love Shohei Otani. But it is nice to think that the Mets could fill two or three positions internally from young prospects that could turn out to be the next stars of this franchise. I'm not a prospect hugger, but these guys we're talking about aren't just prospects. They're guys who could be everyday players for this team next year. It's not like we're talking about a single-A player who may be here in three years. We're not talking about my man Jet Williams. We're talking about guys that could have pivotal roles on the 2023 New York Mets. So I know it's up to him. I know it's up to his wife. But I believe it's imperative for Steve Cohen to make the decision as difficult as humanly possible. And that is paying Jacob DeGrom a king's ransom so that he doesn't leave. It's worth it on every level. And I hope to do it. And I hope it ends quick. Either put us out of our misery negatively or give us what we want. And that's Jacob DeGrom as a career New York Met. Hopefully we convinced everybody. On the next edition of Rico Bronia, a little, a little uh, tore down memory lane. The worst ways New York Met seasons have ended. We rank them one through eight. That's right, eight. Every way a Mets season has ended where the season ended with the final game of the year. Obviously, there were plenty of seasons that ended in June. Plenty of seasons that were over in April. Hello, 1993. But no, no, no. We're talking about when season ended, seasons ended on the very last day. I'll put together my rankings. Hoff will put together his rankings, and we'll hear from you. Also, we've got more off-season podcasts, including an entire podcast dedicated to Brandon Nimmo and Edwin Diaz. We gave a podcast to Jake. We'll give an entire podcast to both Diaz and Nimmo, who obviously are huge free agents going into this off-season. So a lot to do on Rico Bronia. Make sure you're listening to Hoff. He's producing Tiki and Tierney, where he will rub in the fact that the New York Yankees' daddies are named the Houston Astros. I'll be with Craig at two o'clock Monday through Friday. And it's just a coincidence, obviously. But there's this one shirt I keep wearing every day because it's so comfortable. It happens to look eerily similar to the colors of the Houston Astros. But I promise you, it's just a coincidence. It's just really comfortable. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.